It was formed in the Carboniferous era hundreds of millions of years ago when huge swamp forests of giant plants sucked up carbon dioxide and toxic elements from the water and air, eventually making the planet habitable for all the living creatures today. Left in the ground, it continues to do what it did then, purifying the water. Dug up, processed and burnt, it releases all those toxic elements back into the ecosystem, causing irreparable damage to the health of people, animals and the environment, and, as we're well aware, the climate. Hello and welcome to Earth Matters. I'm Michaela Stubbs, and it's the localised impact of coal that we'll be talking about on today's show. We've got Anne Harris from the UK's Coal Action Network speaking about the work they've been doing connecting up users of electricity with folks from coal-affected communities. The situation that they describe is one that is repeated wherever coal mining occurs. And it's the sharing of those stories they hope will show people the true cost of coal and inspire them to push for a complete phase-out as soon as possible. As you'll hear today, we can see the way in which governments are working closely with companies to ensure business as usual. This week in the Hunter Valley, Wanarua traditional owners and residents of Bulga opposing Rio Tinto's proposed extension of their Mount Thorley Walkworth mine set up a peaceful vigil after all legal avenues to halt the extension were exhausted. We'll hear from Kevin Taggart, and Rob McLaughlin. But first we'll go to Anne to talk about the Coal Action Network's report, Ditch Coal, the global mining impacts of the UK's addiction to coal. The intention of that report was to find out where does the coal come from and what are the human and environmental consequences of the coal that supplies the UK's coal-fired power stations. Um, So we spent most of the year doing research and writing up that information. Um, And in some cases we could find... Um, exactly where the coal came from to specific power stations and in other cases we could we could find the countries and we could find out what the situation was in that countries but we weren't able to time specific mines specific power stations the main conclusions of the report was that we get coal from four countries um, 32% of the coal comes from the UK so it's mined here 31% of the coal is mined in Russia 23% of the coal comes from Colombia, and most of the rest, 14%, comes from um, the United States of America. Um, so we then went into looking at what the situation was in each of those countries. Um, and in the UK, we were very aware of the situations because that's been the mainstay of our work since 2008. So we were looking at the um, local community campaigns against open-cast coal mines because of worries about HTVs on the roads, dust, health pollution, climate change. Um, and also the lack of justice around communities fighting open cast campaigns for years and the, communi- and the companies just being able to appeal when the decisions don't go their way, but the communities obviously don't have the money and so can't do the same. In Russia, we, it was much more difficult to get out information, although we did have a Russian researcher working with us, um, because the Russian state oppresses dissenting voices. Um, so what we were able to find out was that most of the coal that's mined for export within Russia comes from the Kuzbas region. And in the Kuzbas region, there's lots of um, mining companies operating, um, and lots of those will, will supply the UK, because the UK is the second um, largest consumer of Russian coal, importing about 15%. So only China imports more coal from Russia than the mm. UK. And there 
in the Kuzbash region of Russia, we found out that 93% of um, the drinking water supplies are contaminated, according to official government sources. There, there's vast open pit mines that are encroaching on the land of indigenous people, particularly the Shores and the Telawits, um, and wiping out entire villages as the, as the mines make living in those places unsustainable because the water's polluted, the air is full of dust, there's blasting every day. Um, and then the local people are facing harassment, including in 2014, the village of Kazas um, was burnt down. The houses of the people who refused to leave, their houses were burnt down. And so the Telua um, indigenous tribe have essentially been wiped out as a distinct indigenous group. And the shores have had a lot of their villages have entirely disappeared. And then in Colombia, um, the situation around mining is that um, private mining companies own most of the mines, and um, those private mining companies are operated abroad. Most of them are listed on the stock exchange. And their um, entire villages have been forcibly evicted with violence, um, and um, indigenous people and local people, who are not, not necessarily indigenous people, are being um, harassed by paramilitaries, um, which are um, linked to the mining companies, and people are being killed. Um, and then people are being killed in less direct ways where water is diverted from the rivers into the mines, and so there isn't enough water to grow food and children are starving. Um, So there's huge problems in Colombia as well as in Russia. And then in America, the coal that comes from from America comes to the UK from the eastern side of America. It comes from the Illinois and Powder River Basin longwall mines, so it's an underground form of mining that's particularly destructive because it collapses the ground 2 to 12 foot above the coal mine and disrupts water supplies, cracks homes, buckles roads. And so the mining companies try and buy out all of the houses above the mines. And then in Appalachia, they're doing mountaintop removal, so destroying entire mountain ranges in order to supply coal for the UK's market, amongst others. So the conclusion of our report was wherever the coal comes from to the UK, it's causing gross human rights and environmental abuses and it's not possible to change from one country to another to get a a more ethical, if you like, supply of coal that we just have to move away from burning coal as a fuel. I understand the lack of clarity throughout the whole chain from the mine to the power station that hides those real impacts from the users of the, the energy at the end. To start at the beginning, what we did was we approached the power companies that run the coal and power stations and asked them directly. And only one of them, those gave us very specific information, and that was RWE, who own Abathor Power Station, the biggest Welsh power station. And they said that most of their coal comes from Welsh sources, which was true at the time, and now Abathor is changing to burn predominantly imported coal and operate at a few hours. The rest of the... Um, companies gave us very non-specific answers, said it was confidential, that sort of thing. Um, so we did our own research and we we tracked the trains and we tracked boats to work out where the coal was coming from. Um, and so did our best to patch together the picture. We're fairly accurate and fairly sure of where the mine, mine the coal was being mined to come from Colombia to the UK because it's private companies. Um, operating their own private ports and we were able to track some of those boats very specifically and there's been a lot of work done around coal mining by international non-governmental organizations Um, whereas in Russia there's more than 100 companies um, 
there's complicated things going on with the coal um, and the coal from all of the countries gets bought blended at the ports on both sides um, and with exporting and importing ports and also at the power stations. So it's possible that the power companies themselves don't actually know where the coal comes from. And why don't they know? Because they don't care. Um, so finding the information wasn't particularly straightforward, but we're confident in the results that we have show a realistic picture. What we were able to find was what was in the public domain. It wasn't the worst and it wasn't the best situations. It was what was in the public domain. Um, and from our links with other um, people who are fighting coal in other countries, the stories, to be honest, are the same. So if we were getting the coal from South Africa instead of from Colombia, then it's the same human rights abuses, the same water pollution, the same problems with dust. We wrote the report Ditch Coal in order to bring out the, the local environmental and human rights abuses rather than looking at the climate change impacts because people are aware of the climate change impacts of burning coal, but we feel that sometimes people find parts per million of CO2 in the atmosphere quite difficult to relate to. But mm. indigenous people in Kazas um, being unable to live in their area where they historically have always been because there is no longer any um, capacity to grow food because the food's covered with dust and the water isn't safe to drink is something that we can all relate to. And then the fact that they had their houses burnt down is something that we can all relate to. So the people who've been coming to our events um, have been incredibly shocked by that information and then feeling like they want to take action on that. Um, so recently we've been travelling with Vladimir Slivyak from Eco-Defence, the Russian environmental group. Um, and we visited 14 places across the UK as part of an intensive speaking tour. Um, and we spoke to parliamentarians, um, the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. We spoke with... Um, somebody in the House of Lords, and we spoke with all party parliamentary group on human rights. The UK government um, is, is fairly happy to attack Russia on its human rights record, but it's not as happy to acknowledge our own responsibility as the end consumers of that coal for causing those problems. And that's what we're really trying to change. Um, so at the moment, there are nine coal-fired power stations within the UK, although two or three of them are um, not operating at very high levels or actually on standby. So the number of power stations um, burning coal has been decreasing in recent times. In the, um, A year ago, there were 13 coal-fired power stations, and now there are nine. So things are changing, but we need to put on more pressure and we need to be using those with talking to civil society, NGO groups, groups on the ground, and making sure that this this changes the situation. The situation in the UK isn't unique to the UK. The countries that supply the UK supply many other nations with coal. Um, and because we're all living on the same planet, the climate change impacts of coal burn in the UK has an impact for everyone else as well, particularly those people in low-lying nations. And so it's time that the people in the rich and privileged nations acknowledge the damage that we're doing stop that damage and do absolutely everything that we can to improve the situation for people living in the coal fields globally. You're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. That was Anne from the Coal Action Network speaking about the Ditch Coal Report and the work that they're doing to link up those at the beginning and end of the coal chain. You can read that report at coalaction.org.au backslash ditch coal. Now we'll hear from the community of Bolga on Wanneroo country in the Hunter Valley, New South Wales. 
They've been in illegal battles to stop an expansion of Rio Tinto's Walkworth, Mount Thorley coal mine. The Australia Institute's study, Seeing Through the Dust, Coal in the Hunter Valley Economy, showed that only 5% of Hunter Valley jobs are in the coal industry and only 2% of New South Wales government revenue comes from coal royalties. Yet the coal industry holds sway with the government. After almost seven years and several wins in the courts, the state's court for Rio Tinto has seen laws changed to facilitate the mine and the community has turned to peaceful direct action, starting with a roadside vigil that they set up on Friday the 15th of July. I spoke with Rob McLaughlin and he is at the vigil, so apologies for the quality of the sound. Well, Michaela, my name's Robert McLaughlin and I have my lovely wife here, Anne-Marie, and we're long-time residents of Bulga. We're also members of the local Bulga Milbradale Progress Association, but we're speaking today uh, as residents of Bulga. Uh, and we, we got involved in uh, the struggle to save our um, very small uh, historic village of Bulga, uh, which is not a mining town, uh, which is uh, originally uh, a gateway, historic gateway to the Hunter Valley of New South Wales. We're nearly 200 years old. We're coming up to 200 years old. And um, uh, so we're, we're fighting to save our little village because this mine expansion of the local uh, Rio Tinto mine, the Mount Thorley Walkworth mine, will come within 2.6 k's of a Bulga, and that will make life in Bulga totally unbearable. This will be a ghost town, Although, according to the New South Wales government, this will always be a thriving community and Rio Tinto. They maintain that we'll all be here and we'll be happy to have a huge mine roaring away 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. So we can't drink our, our tank water now. We all collect uh, water off our roofs and the dust lands on our roofs. And, um, and so we have to filter our drinking water, or most people now, by drinking water in. So, um, and we, we actually, Anne-Marie and I actually sleep with earplugs. Uh, our houses are all cracked up from the uh, blasting. And um, so we've had enough. We've, we've stood up and we've said that two courts, two, two of the highest courts in New South Wales, that is the Land and Environment Court and the Supreme Court of Appeal, have both refused the uh, expansion of this coal mine. Well, that wasn't good enough for Rio Tinto or the New South Wales government. They changed the laws to suit big coal mining companies uh, and uh, away you go. So if that's democracy, the, you know, it's absolutely outrageous. So that's why we're fighting. We've, we've exhausted all our legal avenues. Um, our right of a merit-based appeal against these uh, so-called independent uh, decision-makers, the Planning and Assessment Commission, which is a, an absolute joke. It's a kangaroo court set up by the... Uh, the Department of Planning, it is just a farce. They have absolutely no expertise in uh, assessing uh, the intricacies of uh, these applications. They, they just are a rubber stamp for these things. So we're standing up. We, we are absolutely heartened by the support we're getting. And um, we're standing with the local Wanarula people. Uh, sadly, two Wanarula elders uh, were arrested at our protest on Monday. Uh, because they felt so strongly for their country that they stood up mm. and they were arrested in a most brutal fashion. So um, we will be pursuing that uh, legally. 
we're not resting uh, and we're not taking a backward step because we've given everything. Our properties are worthless. Uh, our health is in danger. And we've been fighting this for nearly seven years now. And, and we've had enough. We're standing up and people are joining us. It's on every day. We're going to have a, a roadside vigil. We're, we're trying to save, uh, as well as um, the, our village, we're trying to save the Saddle Ridge, which is um, was signed in a ministerial deed of agreement back in 2003. So a lot of people bought properties in Bulga and improved their properties in Bulga on the strength of that ministerial deed of agreement that was signed by the then uh, state, Labor, uh, state government and Rio Tinto, well, that's, that wasn't worth the paper it was written on. So um, they're sitting here uh, wondering what to do with this, this huge mine encroaching uh, coming over the hill. So as soon as the Saddle Ridge is gone, uh, we are exposed to this incredible noise. And in that area also is a world-unique ecosystem called the Walkless Sands Woodlands. That, um, and strangely enough, it's critically endangered, being, being declared critically endangered by the uh, federal government. Now, it's really strange that the federal government actually declared the Walker Sands Woodlands critically endangered within hours, within hours of the New South Wales government granting the go-ahead for this mine extension. So if they, if they declared it critically endangered beforehand... The, uh, this, uh, this decision couldn't have been made. So uh, the, the corruption just goes right through to the federal government. So uh, the, the Greek government are just agents for big mining companies, and um, that's why I think we're having such a groundswell of supporters. People are just sick of being dictated to by corrupt governments that are just agents of the, the big end of town. So we're standing up along with all our supporters, so... You'll be hearing a lot more about Bulga, I can tell you that. That was Rob McLaughlin joining us from the Bulga Roadside Vigil in protest of Rio Tinto's expansion of the Walkworth Mount Sawley coal mine. Next up we have Kevin Taggart, Wanarua elder, who was arrested on Monday at the Roadside Vigil, where he was gathered with other protesters from the town. His sister Patricia Hansen was also forcibly arrested, standing up for their rights. You're listening to Earth Matters, broadcast across the country on the Community Radio Network. Can you tell us a bit about Wanarua country and tell us about what's at stake? Well, in Wanarua country and in uh, the Hunter Valley in New South Wales, there's a big area for Aboriginals. They come from different tribes and that there, the, the crabberies and everything there like that. And every, to me, uh, and to every Aboriginal person, it's it's a big mean. I I think some a lot of our peoples lost lost contact with the country. And uh, I'm not blaming our people and that. I'm blaming the mines and that. If you don't if you don't go their way, you don't get any money. Mm. Like they, the jobs and that. Where I'm in a WTC, one or two traditional custodians, and we don't seem to get the work or anything we're supposed to get. They wanted an extension on the mine and that, going close to Bulga, which are going to bugger Bulga and all of our artefacts and every our pathways, and it's just going to bugger everything. And we're and I'm fighting against it, like to save our culture and that. 
of taking everything off us in the Hunter Valley. There's that much mining in the Hunter Valley and that there. It's just destroyed the Hunter Valley, that open-cut mine. It's all right to go underground, that long wall and that there. I've got, I don't want to take work of any person, any person capable of working, I want them to work, you know. It's just a fact they're destroying the Hunter Valley. Just tell you, enough's enough. It's just, and the government and everything, because they get money out of it and that, and they don't care about us. So they just do not care. Mm-hmm. And they're taking everything off us. And, and with Aboriginal people, it's, uh, you know, they're getting paid to, to destroy their own country. And they're agreeing with it, but I'm not. They're just, just totally going to ruin the Hunter Valley. It was a beautiful place and that. They've got it half buggered already. And so we could always go, well, every week or so, get fish out of the rivers and that. That's all gone. The fish have disappeared. They're poisoned. They're, they're gone. And a few come up now and again and that there, but... Wouldn't that be, isn't that telling the government and everything, and I've explained time after time, but we're, we're nothing. We're, just, we're not getting treated any better than what we did 200 years ago, just the same. Monday there, we had a protest and that, and there was only two Aboriginal people there, me and my sister, and we got arrested and treated like dogs. Yes, I saw the video footage of it. My sister, she's nearly 70 years of age and to be treated like that and she's never done a thing wrong in her life, that's unreal. Yeah, it seems like the police are just acting as thugs on behalf of the company, more or less. That's uh, Mikhail, that's certainly what they've done. They just picked us out. I said to the crew that was there, a few people that was there, I said, "Yous go, yous go and do what I say." I said, "I, I refuse to go." Mm. And I said, "You then, then I, when they on the charge sheet, and then they got me up for the instigator, and then, and I told every person there, I said, "Yous go." I said, "I'm not going." Did they make any charges, or what was the follow-up? Yeah, resist that? and arrest, and not moving off the property, not moving off the. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The mine's been operating there since 1981, and I'm wondering, are there any benefits that you've seen? There's no benefit for me or for us destroying the country, destroying our country, Mother Earth. There's, how could there be any benefit? If you're an Aboriginal person, how could there be any benefit? It's just sad. They've done that much, and they want to destroy the lot, just the whole lot, and... I'm not going to give up. How can they leave these big boys and that buggers the country up for me, for any Aboriginal should do? Mm. How can they leave these big boys? All of this single area, all the Hunter Valley, that's all it's going to be if it's let, kept going. Every, every open-cut mine, they shouldn't be allowed to open another one up. Shouldn't be allowed to open another one up. And it's just too much. 
it's going to bugger the rivers. It's, it's going to what things going to go back to later on? Houses mm-hmm. will be worth nothing. Everything will be worth nothing. It should be ghost town. And we don't want that in Hunter Valley. We want well, we want people to come here and look at that. But the government. Environmental terrorists blasting our country to pieces and leaving it there, leaving these big holes and walking away. Uh, that's not right. I'm only fighting because it's wrong. It's and they've made up. The government's made up all these laws and that to get around things and that over these cases and that. They've made they've made everything up and that, and so they can get around it. So if that ain't wrong, if that ain't corrupt. I don't know what what is to our country. Yeah, that's right. You know, I was looking at some of the studies that showed that uh, the mining provides such a small percentage of the Hunter Valley economy, but it is threatening to ruin everything. Well, it's going to totally ruin everything. It's a, what are we going to fall back on? Nothing. There's going to be nothing there left. Mm. Everything's going to be gone, and we cannot win, but we're going to win. So what can we do? What is the next step in this struggle? I've never, Michaela, I've never ever in my life asked for help, but I'm asking for help now. We've got to get the numbers and that, and I'm asking for help too to get through this. I want people just to help out, you know, and the protests and that, put an hour in here or an hour there, and, and just to see I'm not very well educated in that. People that can really speak, mm. I never wanted to help in my life, but I just, I plead for help. What's the best way to get in contact? Well, my home number is 0265-791226. Happy for it to go on here and that I'm just, I'm not determined to save our country. I'm not a person to to do this, but for them to do that and how things are going to take in our country... I'd rather be out of the bush there doing my cattle and doing my own thing than doing this, but I'm going to fight. And I hope a lot of people fight with me. Thanks for listening to Earth Matters. This show is produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on the lands of the Kulin Nation, for which sovereignty has never been ceded. Earth Matters is broadcast around the country thanks to the Community Radio Network and thanks also to the Community Broadcasting Association for their financial support. If you'd like to listen to extended versions of those interviews or share this show, you can find our podcast at 3cr.org.au backslash earthmatters. Thanks to our guests, Anne Harris, Kevin Taggart and Rob McLaughlin. You can find links to all the content covered on our Facebook page. And please join us again next week. Until then, take care. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. 
For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.